سوت داور چینی حرکت میکنه جهان بخش میگذارم جهان بخش بول بول برای ایران شاهزاده ایرانی اینجوری شمچه میزنه مرد سمورایی مطمئن بودیم این بازی رو میبریم تو رخکن هم چون تیمی که میخواد ببره از تو رخکنش مشهده چون همه یه دل بودیم ما واقعا بهتر از ژاپن بودیم ژاپن موقعیت خاصی نداشت ما خیلی موقعیت داشتیم که از موقعیت ما استفاده میکردیم میتونیم به بالای بیشتری ببریم فقط میگم خدا رو شد که مردم اون شاد شدن یک کوچولو بتونه مردم رو شاد کنیم همون کافی واسه ما چی, چی پیش اومد که اول ما فکر میکنم چند تا موقعیت داشتیم نسبت به ژاپن ژاپن همون موقعیتی که به گل تبدیل کردن فکر به اشتباه حالا خودمون رو نداشتن تمرکز بود ولی اون چیزی که مسلم بود ما هم قسم شده بودیم نیمه دوم همه وجودمون بریم و جبران کنیم و خدا رو شکر می‌کنم که خدا موز زحمت بچه‌ها رو داد و امیدوارم که این شادی بتونه زمین ساز ان شاءالله یه کار بزنه Welcome back to another episode of Golbazarm come off the back of a 2-1 victory over Japan I'm very excited to film this episode with you both. And I guess before we jump in, it'll be amazing to say a quick thank you to all of you guys watching and listening because our previous episode, the preview of this uh, match, we got unreal uh, comments, views. Uh, I think it was like the most viewed video we've ever put out, which is amazing. And um, and also the the reaction video that I know you guys loved on, <laughs> on Twitter and Instagram of us just being very emotional. Um, so yeah, very, very excited to film this episode. Um, I guess before we jump in, do you want to quick, say a quick sort of how you're feeling before the game started? Yeah, um, this is this is one of Iran's biggest games in a long time because, uh, like Khalilnoi said before the game, this game could have been the final. Uh, so um, it was a very very hard game, and we were for me at least I was not very confident. So uh, I was very stressed. I was very nervous before the game started. Uh, we went we went into the stadium pretty early we went uh, like four four hours before kickoff i think it was so you know as we got closer to kickoff just the nerves were going uh higher and higher and uh, daniel said this also he said thank god the game wasn't an evening game because i don't think we, we would have survived that long uh so yeah uh, we were very nervous going into this game yeah i i, I agree with you uh, airfon yeah it was a uh Uh, this game could have been a final. Uh, Japan are were the clear favorite uh, of the of this tournament, and um, we were quite excited and nervous, of course. Uh, I was happy that the game was in the afternoon and not uh, in the evening because the the wait would have been too long. 
But uh, yeah, it was, as we said in predictions, uh, 60-40 for Japan. But I guess uh, it turns out to be a, to be a win for Iran uh, and a well-deserved one. Yeah, and the, the, the emotion was very high both before the game, during the game and after the game. And it was amazing seeing all the different reactions over over Twitter, over Instagram, just people like filming each other with like their different reactions. And um, yeah, it was beautiful to see. And I, like, we'll talk about, I guess, like the players' reactions after the game also. Uh, but, but going into the episode, I guess it was a fairly unusual lineup. I know Tarami wasn't included, obviously, the red card against Syria. And Galanoi went with the starting 11 that was slightly different and also a formation that was slightly different. He started Mohebi, um, Milad Mohamedi and Ebrahimi, benching Raidi and Haj Safi, which I don't think he's actually done so far in this tournament. Um, and I know a lot, I think even us, to be fair, in the, in the, in the stands, we were saying, Mohebi, I don't really understand why he started. Obviously, it, it paid off for him massively in the end. I guess, what, like, what was your reaction with that starting 11? Yeah, um, I wasn't really happy. Um, Mohebi, I don't mind much because uh, I know he has a quality even though a lot of people on Twitter were bashing Galanoi for starting him but um, Milad worried me a lot because it reminded me it gave me flashbacks of the USA game because uh, he started and you know things didn't turn out well at all uh, that, that was our weakness and USA used that to win so um, yeah I was very doubtful of the lineup as, and as, as someone who usually supports Galanoi's decision I was like, what has he done? But yeah, it, it paid out for him and it was a really good choice. I, I think it was a perfect lineup, to be honest, with the players we had available. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I was going to say, Daniel, before before you go on, I think it was the absolute perfect lineup. I mean, I think like as well, as well you could you could say that because he didn't change a single player at all until obviously after the penalty was taken to, to be 2-1. <coughs> so that's indicative of him picking the perfect lineup, having the perfect sort of tactical game plan. And it worked. Yeah, we were all quite surprised um, regarding the lineup uh, at the beginning. When when I first saw it, uh, uh, I quickly thought it's a more defensive lineup. In our predictions, we're uh, predicting Ansarifar to replace Tarimi, uh, and and we keep 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 the same uh, starting eleven than uh, against Syria. We expected someone like Roy Edi to start, for example. He was he's doing a great. Asian Cup, so yeah, but he went for Omid Ebrahimi in midfield, uh, Milad Mohamedi as left back, uh, Mohebi as left winger, I mean left midfielder. So yeah, when I saw it, I was like, it's a more defensive lineup, but a more a physical one. Mohamedi has uh, a lot of pace. Mohebi is, is good with his head, has a lot of pace. And it was quite, Omid Ebrahimi is not a really huge, uh, tall or uh, player, but he's very aggressive. So it was quite an aggressive lineup, and I think uh, uh, that uh, it was quite an understandable choice because Japanese players are very fast, and uh, uh, maybe someone like Harshafi, he's a very good defender, but yeah, against a fast winger, he, it could have been more difficult for him than uh, for Milan Mohamedi, for example. So, and we, as you said, you know, it actually paid off. He didn't need. To do to do any substitution, so he he just put the perfect lineup that we could have. Yeah, what was interesting, I think the pivotal sort of part of the field of what he was trying to play with was was someone in that number ten position, and I know he's been sort of within this Asian Cup, and I guess before the Asian Cup, he was he had that free roaming role, 
but he still had to come back. He still had to defend. And he did obviously do some defending in this game. I'm not saying he didn't. I think everyone did from, from Osman all the way down to Berrambant. Um, but with Said and Omid Ibrahimi as as the wall behind him, he had a far more free-roaming role. So he you, could, you saw him in the number 10 position, but you also saw him drifting into the left, like left wing, saw him drifting into the right wing. You saw him running in behind, which he's not actually done, I think, ever um, in an Iran shirt. I've never seen him do that. Um, or indeed a Brentford shirt, to be fair. So, yeah, it was, it was, I think that was the pivotal player. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, we don't see Qudus uh, playing as a free-roaming player a lot. Um, it, it was something a lot of people want to see. Even you wanted to see a few years ago. You mentioned in one of your tweets uh, that Qudus should be a free-roaming player. And uh, I think it, it was a really good performance by him. Uh, I mean, he made uh, those uh, simple passes that look simple. But, you know, they just they, they, some players need to think to make that pass. But him, he looks around. He sees the players, analyzes everything so quickly and then just makes his decision very quick. And I think that's something Team Ali has been lacking for a while now. And Qodus is something that brings and offers that to the table. And then um, of the pivot, Said and Omid, they were able to defend more. Uh, so Qodus could, you know, focus more on the attacking side. And uh, I think that was crucial to helping our team play uh, offensively and pressuring against Japan. Because... Uh, the, the Japanese couldn't just attack from the center at all. Like right when they would would come, Said and Omid, they were like tanks. They would step step in their way, and uh, Omid especially. Yeah, he was he was giving away some fouls, but what was important was he was getting the balls back for our team. And uh, I think it was very good performance from all three of them. Mm. And I guess like with this formation as the sort of four two three one, which he's not played before Kalinoi, um in this Asian Cup. And uh, no Tarami, that the Rodos free roll that we just talked about. What was the what was the game plan that Galanoi was was trying to deploy here uh, to sort of nullify and also you know attack Japan? Well, uh, I think at first uh, he he wanted to to have um, a counter attacking side during first half. Uh, the the team was. Uh, staying deeper, uh, not pressing a lot. Sometimes they did press, but not too much. But then exploiting every moment uh, when the team had the ball to to just create an opportunity. They were much more direct uh, than uh, against uh, Syria. Uh, shooting mm. in the first opportunity against Syria, we saw only a lot of short passes. Uh, and we're like, okay, after a moment, you need to shoot if you want to score. and. And there, we against Japan, we saw uh, Jean Barsh uh, trying to uh, his first shot. I think it was uh, at the 10th or 12th minute uh, from outside the box, and uh, Rodos with a volley and etc. So they they try to 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 be more direct, and actually it, it paid off. Yeah, I agree. It was like a very direct, but the, the the pressing wasn't. I think like they they had sort of every man behind the ball at any moment whenever the J Japanese got the the ball in their sort of like in their third. Um, and then sort of trying to overload the midfield, drag them to the sort of wings. And I guess like for the first few, uh, maybe 10, 20 minutes, 30 minutes even, it did seem like a weakness of ours because Ramin Rezaian, I think he was probably, even though I absolutely love Ramin Rezaian and what he's done for the national team, I think he was probably one of the weaker players in, in this game. Yeah, <clears throat> Ramin um, had a shaky start. I mean, he, he lost the ball a few times, um, overthinking, keeping the ball for too long, uh, which le le led to him losing the ball a few times. Uh, but then 
uh, after that, I think he got to his sen- senses and he started playing better, you know, giving out the right passes, quicker passes. And uh, about the weaknesses you mentioned, I think that uh, they, yeah, they started putting pressure on us early on. <coughs> uh, but then <coughs> we, after that, we put on pressure on them. And uh, we, we, I think we kind of found their weakness. Uh, and uh, that's how, why they kept on giving away the ball. And that's what something Syria did that they were not, the Japan were not able to do. Syria mm-hmm. were pressuring, they kept, they continued the pressure on us. And we were able to uh, lose the ball quickly and they could counter off that. But Japan were not able to, to do that properly. And I think that was probably one of the biggest advantages for us this game. Mm. We talked about Mohamed um, Ali coming in for Hajj Safi, I guess, providing that pace on the on the wing. And we talked about Ibrahimi coming in. But I guess what what does what does Mohebi offer? And what did he offer this game that, say, someone like Raidi or Golizadeh wouldn't be able to? Because they were the first sort of two choices, I would say. Well, he offers a, a great physical presence. He's a player with a lot of pace. And as I said before, uh, in, in our podcast, uh, during last World Cup, we were lacking a player like him. And that's why I also rate someone like Merzad Mohamedi. He's not in the squad, of course. But because we, we were lacking physical presence during the World Cup, we had no players that were really fast, apart from Milad Mohamedi, but he's a defender. But on the attacking side, we had no, no pace players or a, phys- a big physical presence. And every contest, uh, head contest, he, he, he took them all. Like He was always winning the headers. He was uh, running a lot, making the Japan defense uh, mm. tired a lot. So, And actually, our left side played much better than our right side. I mean, apart from Jarl Bash that did uh, a, a great game, uh, we didn't see Ramin perform offensively as uh, he did uh, before. Uh, even against Syria, he was uh, good defensively, but not as good as we expect him mm. offensively. But on the other side, Milad and Mohebi were just perfect. And it is uh, quite uh, surprising because no one expected the two of them to start. Yeah, they're far less experienced than Ramin and Ayres Jambach, but they, they did surprise me as to sort of how well they linked up. And I think Mohebi as well, he made he made a very dangerous run each time. Sometimes it didn't pay up didn't didn't pay off and the ball didn't reach him. But if you did look at his game, and this is sort of where the first goal came in, I think he also got a header that went that went wide. He was making that run in between the fullback and the centre back and exploiting the fact that the Japanese defense wasn't really communicating between between that sort of space. And he, he, he found like a lot of joy there. That's where the, obviously the first goal co- came from that we'll talk about in a bit. Um, but on our side, we went 1-0 down in, what was it, maybe minute minute 25, something like that? 30. Minute 30. Um, it came from Ramin Rezaian's side. It was a, a few different mistakes and then I think a bit of luck as well on the Japanese side of things. And there's a few people to blame here, including, I think, Baron Band also. What, what, what went wrong? Well, uh, during the first half, I, I, I remember telling you guys, look at how our defense is, is stretched by the, the Japanese winger. Japan has always two wingers staying on both uh, the touchlines, and, and our fullbacks were staying with them. So there were there were a lot of space between fullbacks and centre backs and both centre backs. But the more you you get closer to your uh, goal, the, the more you have to to make that space tiny. And we weren't defending as a block. Like sometimes you you were seeing the the team was cut in two. Sometimes you were seeing Said and on the goal that what happened. He was very high. 
on their number five, uh, the one that scored. I don't remember uh, me. I don't rem remember his name, but uh, yeah, we, we were very high on him. And then there was a lot of space. So one mistakes that lead to lead, leads to the goal, and of course a bit of uh, luck too, because Shoja intercepted, but it comes back to him, and then Cannon he doesn't. Uh, doesn't stop him uh, properly, and Berovan has a touch, but fortunately it went through. But yeah, the, the, in the first time the team was a bit cut in two, and uh, even offensively, uh, uh, someone Rodus was really high on the pitch and wasn't touching the ball as much as he used to. But during the second half, they made some changes, and he was he was coming. He he, he had much more touches. He had the ball a lot, and that was helping us a lot. Yeah, because this was this was the first game Cannonie played for I think maybe a couple or three games. Uh, he hadn't been used before, so him coming in, I think the ball came off him, the ricochet, and then going into the feet and of the Japanese sure, player. Yeah, uh, would you would you still prefer Cannonie over over Ruzbech Hashmi? Um yeah, I, I, I still prefer Kanani over Cheshmi, but it's not because he's a much better player, but rather than... Cheshmi is not a centre-back. He is not a centre-back. He's never been a proper centre-back. And I don't think that he should play there, especially on a two, and on a, and a four at the back. Three at the back, OK, he can play as a centre-back and maybe uh, shift into a defensive midfielder sometimes. But when we're playing a four at the back like what we are right now, I think Kanani, you know, he's played with Shoja for a long time. He's played with him in Paris Police before at uh, Al-Ahli in Qatar. And um, I think that uh, Kanani, like, he, he's not the best defender, but I think he still brings something to the table, unlike Cheshmi. He makes the right passes sometimes. Uh, he makes uh, good long long balls as well. We've seen him done before for, done, do before for Iran. And they, like we saw at the end of the game, you know, he goes into the opponent's box, does something cheeky, gets lucky, a bit lucky, and wins a penalty. Uh, but yeah, I think that what he did yesterday, Cheshmi probably cannot do for Iran. Yeah, he, def he definitely provided something a bit different. The, after the goal from Japan, the mood certainly changed across the stadium. Um, however, I will, I will say I think probably first half, the momentum was fairly strong with the Japanese side. I think we were knocking at the door, but they were, f I'd say, when we say 60-40, I think that was the 60-40. They, they, were, they were in front, I would say. And then they, when they scored the goal, the mood in the crowd, I guess, changed a little bit. The mood where we were sitting as well changed. Because I feel like this is where we sort of, we've, we've highlighted it before, where we haven't had that many times where we've gone behind and and come back to equalise and then also win the game. It's, it's a position that we're not very comfortable with. And we've asked a lot of the players, when it comes to the mental side of the game, have we improved in that side of the game? I guess the the average age of our team playing, I think, was 31 or 30. The average age of the Japanese team was, I think, 25 or 24. So we were far older than them. Um, I think that probably played into our favour here because I think maybe if this team was maybe four years or five years younger on average, they wouldn't have had the mental ability to come back the way that they did. So them going into halftime, I think you mentioned Erfan. What did what did Ranoi say? I think this has been a question we've seen on Twitter a lot. <laughs> in order to revitalize this team to come out and just and provide that that sort of different and elevated performance. Yeah, the answer might surprise some people, uh, but yeah, a lot of people asked uh, what Ranoi did or said at halftime, and even they asked the players. Uh, but what Ranoi actually said was something very simple. 
he told the players to continue what you're doing. <laughs> this is exactly what he said. One of the players mentioned, I think, and uh, he said that you guys are playing very well. Uh, you know, just follow the plan, continue what you're doing, and um, we um, and uh, we'll win this game. And I think it worked because you know that gave the players the confidence they needed, uh, boosted their morale, and um, it was uh, it was very good on the emotional side of things because it shows that the coach still believes in the players, and uh, that's a, v a very good thing. And um, I think that what he did was very good, and <laughs> it's uh, gave, it was very crucial in giving us the win. Yeah, the. The mental ability to go into half time one nil down from a, from a goal that's really annoying to concede. You know, a bounce off a player and then the goalkeeper should have got there, but it bounced over his foot. There's just so many unlucky and unfortunate things that happened against the favourites of the tournament. We're missing our best player, best goal scorer. I know for a lot of people, they would feel like you know there's too many things against us here. There's no way we can come back from this. Um, but the the team changed. Yeah, I, actually, uh, since uh, Amir Rolenoy uh, is in charge, um, the team believes that they can, uh, I mean, the, all the players believes that they can score in every game. And we're scoring one to four games. I mean, against Hero, we only scored a penalty, but but during this, this game, we scored two. And even during the first half, Iran didn't play badly. Uh, we had opportunities, opportunities, uh, uh, good situations. So the players were confident that they will score. Uh, and we were even saying that to, to ourselves you know, in the stadium, that we will score. The only thing is that, will we concede again or will we not? And we didn't, because they, they, they attacked a lot during the second half. Uh, they were aggressive. They were winning all the, all the contests, all the second balls. And the pressing was better. Sometimes uh, the pressing wasn't good because Pressing is a collective thing. You, all, the, the whole team has to press or no one, but you can't just press alone. And sometimes we weren't well uh, uh, organized, but during second half we were. We, were. we considered one, uh, one really good situation for Japan. It was a cross at minute, uh, uh, around 50. minute 50, 51, yes. Uh, nice header by, by their number nine, but it went, uh, it went out. But uh, yeah, apart from that and maybe another situation, Iran just was attacking and searching for the score. Actually, Asmund scored a, a very nice goal, uh, ruled for offside, ruled out for offside. But uh, yeah, they, they were playing. Uh, they, they didn't. They were fighting till the end. Like mentally, yeah. they, they were prepared uh, for that, and they wouldn't let the game the game go with regrets. I don't think. I, I don't think the actual tactics. Or the game plan, and obviously the the the, the personnel and the formation didn't change at halftime. I think what did maybe change slightly was they they wanted it more. They played more with heart, even if it was like ten percent more. That ten percent more pushed them over the edge because everyone was making the same runs. Everyone was going for the same sort of balls. The the roles and responsibilities were were the same, in my opinion. The only thing that sort of changed was that extra sort of ten percent of of desire and and belief. And I think you could, you could give a shout-out to every player. Ibrahim in midfield was winning a lot of balls. As Tolai was passing very, very well. His range of pass, we, we know, are very good. But he had those sort of runs in behind to actually hit those passes. So I think it's the desire that really changed going into the second half. And that's when the momentum changed to us. Um, <clears throat> definitely. And one of the things that I think um, contributed in this was 
the fact that this is probably the one of the last Asian Cup for a lot of these players. Uh, so it's like this is all or nothing. Uh, either we're going to be remembered in history, uh, or it's just going to be another generation that's gone to waste. And I think during the halftime, maybe that realization came, and um, they they were attacking a lot towards the end of the first half as well. So they're like, okay, we can do this. It's not a hard game. It's definitely doable. Uh, it is a hard game, but it's doable at least. Um, and yeah, that that definitely contributed to the factor. And we saw as the second half started how uh, they kept on. Pressing, they kept on pushing to get the ball, and the hold-up play the, of the for the ball was so good. Like they wouldn't give away the ball at mm-hmm. all, and every time we gave away the ball, I think it was after one of our attacks finished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's one of the things that we've improved on massively for this game at least. And I was very happy to see that. Or all, all that we were shooting from distance, as you mentioned, like we because we weren't doing that in the Serie game at all. Not even shooting from distance, but just shooting, <laughs> just shooting at, at full stop. Yeah. Um, I think that, like, you know, but then they won. They won by position. If you if you look at the stats, actually, I think like within the first twenty minutes of the game or fifty minutes of the game, I think the possession stats were seventy five percent Japan, twenty five percent Iran, and then if you shift to like the second half, I think it was I don't know the stats, but it was, either, it was either yeah, it was like something like that. Uh, the um, end it was a fifty nine forty one, I think. Yeah, so. yeah. So that just shows. I guess the the desire. I don't, I'm not saying the desire at the beginning wasn't wasn't higher. It definitely was, but I think it's that extra 10 percent. Maybe Japan got a, a slightly comfortable. Who knows? Or, or tired. Um, but it definitely opened up opportunity. And then obviously the one nil, the one uh, one the equalizer came. Yeah, yeah. And as you as you mentioned, uh, it wasn't all about tactics, uh, but uh, the the small details paid off in this game. Uh, the coach didn't have to change things during the game because. It is fair to say that the game was really well prepared. Like the lineup was the right one, the, the what he asked from every player were the right things. Uh, only a few small changes d- d- at halftime. I think uh, when uh, we were playing long balls, uh, Mohebi was coming next to Osmoon. Samarodus was going on the side, so they were switching, uh, causing some troubles for the defenders because Mohebi is much better with his head. So they were always trying to to be at the right position for the right moment, if it was a long ball, if it's a short ball. And those those details help the team uh, just uh, go for the equalizer. And uh, on the equalizer, it was a time that the pressing was right. So the goalkeeper just uh, uh, throw it to, to, to an Iranian players and, and behind we, we played the, the, the ball very quickly. So yeah, at high level football, it's it only down to details, and I think this was a really high-level uh, football from Iran. And uh, yes, it was for great to see it. What I what I really like about Alanoi that I don't think he gets enough credit for is, and this is his type of personality. He sort of just trusts himself and does whatever sort of he wants and doesn't sort of follow whatever the critics say. Because on paper, if you're going into a second half one nil down, what do you? What's the natural instinct to do? You make changes, and a lot, of, a lot of people in the crowd were saying, "Bring on Raidi, bring on, bring on uh, Rolizade." Like, we need to make some changes. We need to make some changes because something's going wrong here. Because on paper, we're one nil down. Didn't listen to that. He just picked. He just stuck by his formation, stuck by his game plan, trusted in his players, um, and I don't think he, he actually got enough credit for that. Yeah, yeah, you're completely right. Uh, and actually, it's great to see how the pre- players trust him too. And they, they just uh, uh, answer to these threats with playing a, a beautiful game. 
someone like Mohebi, for example, uh, he performed well for Timeli before the Asian Cup, but during the Asian Cup he wasn't uh, uh, at his best. But right now he just said, okay, I have a chance. And he, he, I think he said to himself that he has to, to just show that he's, uh, he's the player. And uh, same for Osmund, there's been a lot of criticism against him. Uh, but during this game, he was just one of the man of the match. So, yeah, it was... Uh, Ralinoi deserved the credit. Um, again, I think he prepared the game very well. All the players, uh, mentally and tactically, they knew what they had to do. And in this group, one of our weaknesses before was the mental side. But for now, they're showing that they're so prepared, so focused to go through the end of, uh, of uh, the, this Asian Cup. So, yeah, they're just giving everything on the pitch to, to, to not let any room for regrets. Yeah, and just adding on to that, uh, I've said this a lot of times before, but Kalno is a very experienced manager. Uh, you know, he's managed many sides domestically. He's managed the national team before. And um, he trusts himself, he's always done this. He doesn't go for the big names all the time. He plays the players who he thinks would uh, best fit the match, which I don't think a lot of players would do. Uh, like Carlos Keres, for example, he would uh, mostly stick with the same type of players. But Khalil he changes up uh, based on the opponent. And yeah, like Sina said, I think that's uh, something that he doesn't get enough credit for. And then, uh, and then talking about the goal. So you mentioned Osman. Osman obviously assisted Mohebi to get to get the equaliser. And luckily, it was onside. He, Mohebi made a fantastic run. I think it was Jahanbash. I think beat the player, passed to Osman. Osman turned, passed it into Mohebi's path, and Mohebi finished on the on the far post. It was a, it was a wonderful finish too. And um, yeah, got got the one-one, which is fantastic. And then the momentum very firmly shifted to to the Iran side. Well, that was that was a true changing point, turning point in the game, I think. Because after that, everyone everyone believed. That, like we probably we knew we were going to score maybe a goal, but after that, the way we played, I think it just shifted everyone's uh, point of view on the game and on Iran itself. Actually, uh, it, first day on the goal, it was an amazing goal. Like. From the beginning, the pre the pressure on the goalkeeper uh, for him to uh, cr cross that ball into Jahanbakhsh and then uh, amazing uh, one, two touches I think he had before passing the ball to uh, Azmoun. Uh, brilliant pass by Azmoun outside, outside the foot uh, pass, I think it was. Um, and then, yeah, amazing finish by Moe. That's not an easy finish, by the way. He only had one spot to shoot and, you know, he did exactly what he needed to do. A very professional finish, mm. and um, yeah, uh, makes me makes me happy for him. You know, a lot of people were criticizing him, but he did really well. And then after that, it was just Iran. To be honest, I don't think Japan had any opportunities at all, any serious ones at least. They tried to bring on uh, Mitomo and Minamino, but it didn't make much of a difference. We just continued pressuring them. We played our game, and it was honestly perfect after that. Yeah, yeah, I think um, a lot of things did play into our favour with, with, I guess, the Japanese side that we can talk about in a bit. But the run that Mohebi made was, again, between the, the, the right back, wait, yeah, the right back and the centre back. And they just didn't communicate effectively in that high pressure sort of moment where, you know, they didn't communicate between, between the personnel of he's coming over to you. you know, like, because he came over his shoulder and, and the centre back had no idea. Uh, I think the centre back thought the goalkeeper was going to get it. There's, it's a weird yeah, if you if you can watch the video again of the goal because we can't show it for copyright reasons. Um, it's it, yes, yeah, it's, it's one that I th if if we conceded we'd be we'd be sort of angry at it, in my opinion. And 
not gonna lie, it is one that I think Berman probably would concede because he, he he's not as comfortable coming out as well. But luckily, it was with us. And as you said, Erfan, the momentum very firmly shifted towards us. Osman scored um, a goal that was ruled out offside. I think it was just his his, his arm and his uh, upper thigh. <laughs> and I think that I mean it was a wonderful finish. Don't get me wrong. He beat he beat one player, beat another player, and then shifted the ball, hit, hit it first, um, hit it between uh, the, the near post. It's annoying that he didn't get that goal because it would have given an extra confidence boost. But it was a good goal nonetheless. It was a as you said a very beautiful goal. Um, Asmund just did it in a very very mature way. Like he was so focused on scoring that goal, and, and even during the game. So Asmund is a player that has technical abilities, but sometimes he's a bit clumsy uh, with his run with the balls in, in his controlling and etc. But in this game, every touch, every uh, uh, control he was making were good. Like. He, he was really focused to do a great game and the whole team was. It was quite impressive to see these teams with some uh, players that we didn't expect in the starting lineup playing uh, that good against Japan, best team in Asia. So yeah, and Japan, uh, Japan. Osmond stepped up to to the game, uh, showed everyone that he's, he's a high, high quality player. High, uh, he knows what uh, high level football is and he was actually a perfect striker in this game. And then I think it got to like the 85th minute mark where, you know, we were sort of pushing and pushing and we were knocking at the door several times. I I was convinced we were going to go into extra time, but if you do look at my prediction, I did say that we would we would draw going into extra time and then we win either in extra time or on penalties. That 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 script was there to be written, but but Cannony had other ideas. He was uh, obviously brought down in the box. Firstly, was it was it a penalty? Oh no doubt, without a doubt, it was a penalty. I mean, it was very clear. Kanani got the touch on the ball uh, after the miscommunication from the Japanese centre backs. I think it was, and then he just took him out completely. Like he he locked his legs and just yeah. Uh, there was no doubt about the penalty at all. I don't think anyone even mentioned. Do you, anything. Do you think that was like a game plan? Because I there's a couple times before that where. You know, there'll be a deep ball in behind and there's no chance of, say, Osmond or, or Mohebi or whoever the sort of striker is in that moment to, to get a chance on goal. But there, there possibly is a touch, to touch there possibly is an opportunity to touch it forward and the goalkeeper obviously takes your leg. Because I, there was, there was a one before that thing with Osmond and I think there was one before with maybe Jaumbach, I can't remember. But there was, it did happen a couple times, I don't know if you remember. Yeah, it did happen two or three times before that as well. I think uh, I remember Osmunds. He had two twice in the uh, second half. Uh, the first one, I don't think it was. I think uh, it was just the goal he got to touch first, and then he fell over. Uh, but there was one where he barely got a touch on the ball. Yeah. Yeah, he barely got a touch on the ball. It was minimal. Yeah, it, it was, was minimal. Enough, but it was minimal. but the, goalie didn't, the goalkeeper didn't get any touch on the ball. He just took out his leg. And that didn't go to VR, which is a bit strange for me. Because, you know, I mean, it would be very, uh, very sensitive, yeah, harsh, harsh mm. penalty to give away. But, you know, he did get a touch on the ball and the yeah. goalie got it. But, you know, it is what it is. It wasn't enough for me, though. If I mean, yeah, yeah, it would be very harsh, like I said. I think we talked about it in the moment. Like, it was, it was one of those ones where if it happened to, to us and we conceded a penalty because of that, we would have been extremely disappointed because it seemed very harsh. But, like, this, this one against Kalani. I think it was a stone cold penalty. 
And uh, it was an unfortunate one. I think it, actually, strangely enough, I think Kalani made that sort of run from from like I think the left back towards like so they were sort of making these sort of crisscross runs. Um, the goalkeeper took him out. The goalkeeper, I have to say, the Japanese goalkeeper has been fairly shaky this entire tournament though. And uh, yeah, that came to sort of bite them because they gave away a 93rd minute penalty uh, where it was sort of very, you know, it was going to go to extra time. Um, and then what was our sort of, what was your sort of emotion, Daniel, when the penalty was awarded? And like, I guess, did you have confidence that we would put this away? Well, uh, with how we prepared the uh, uh, penalty shootout and how the players uh, were uh, shooting the penalties against Syria, I was pretty confident. Uh, not as confident as some people already celebrating and even some players celebrating the end of the game. But uh, yeah, I, I was confident. It was a clear penalty, no doubt about it. And it's a bit unfortunate for the number four, their number four, uh, the, the centre-back playing with uh, Tomiyasu. He's at fault uh, for the first goal and now he's at fault for the, the penalty. Uh, so yeah, but uh, it happens in football. That I think shows uh, the level of of concentration that our player had and Japanese player had not. And um, yeah, I, I was pretty confident. As the captain and one of the leaders of the team and doing a great game, he just stepped up and said, I will take it. And actually he took it very, very well, very powerful, very precise, like during the penalty shootout. So our players prepare well for the penalties. So it's good because in tournament it's important um, to to prepare for every scenario. For example, Didier Deschamps with France uh, didn't prepare for penalties and and he didn't pay it off uh, during the World Cup final and they lost against Argentina. That was well prepared for penalties. So so yeah, it was um, it was a very good penalty uh, taken. Yeah, but uh, you you mentioned it before, but someone was holding on to the ball until sort of the very sort of last minute until Jan Bash took it off him and, and took the penalty. But I know some sort of some people on Twitter are saying someone wants to take it, like um and there's a bit of maybe dividing the team and sort of sparking up some rumours here and there. Um what's what was your what's your sort of opinion on that? Did he want to take it or was it as as Daniel mentioned, maybe trying to confuse the goalkeeper? I think I think it was um he was just trying to confuse not confuse, but he wanted to attract the attention towards himself. Uh, so Jahan Bach can just, you know, be calm, be ready for the penalty. Like Daniel said, it's what a lot of uh, players do nowadays. It's a tactic that a lot of players use. And um, I, I, th I don't think there's any division in the team. I mean, when you look at the players, yeah. they're, you know, they're... they're uh, it began jame shun jame in Farsi. We say, like, it's a very likable group and they seem to be um, very confident. Uh, they, they, they seem to be good together and everything. So I doubt there's anything like that in the team. Um, and yeah, I think it was just a tactic to attract uh, um, attract uh, all the uh, distractions towards himself. Yeah, and he converted the penalty very, very well. Even the goalkeeper went to the correct side, but the, the shot was so powerful, so accurately placed, there was absolutely no chance for the goalkeeper. And to be able to convert that in the... This is why I want to give a, sh a special shout-out to, to Ariza Jambash, because he comes in as, as, the, as the captain for this game, he comes in, in in the not not the best moment of form in, in his entire career. He cut, like he's 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 obviously a bit older now, but he came from I say the, you know top goal scorer in the Eredivisie, going to Brighton. He's never found his form 
for both club and country since then. And we've been sort of critical of him on, the, on this podcast just because we know his ability and how good he is, that his consistency isn't there. And for him to be the leader in this game, to, to drive the team forward and actually you know be the captain. And in a, in a game where we're not the favourites, we're against the favourites of the whole tournament and where your key player, Mehdi Tarami, is missing... For him to have all those, all that sort of pressure on his shoulders and convert to penalty in the 96th minute, I think I think that's so admirable, and that's what I absolutely loved about this game, and I loved about his, um, I guess, mental mindset, and that's what gives me a ton of confidence going into the next game. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Aris Jambash because I thought that was wonderful. Sure. Anything, anything to add? Well, uh, as you mentioned, we're sometimes a bit. Uh, critical on him because he's a talented player. He's been inconsistent for Team Elite, first to say it. And sometimes he's been really good, sometimes we just don't recognize him. But uh, when he's at his best, he's a very clever player, very intelligent, in tactically, technically. And what I really rate about him is that he's always a, a threat for defenders. He can shoot anytime with both foots, outside the box, inside the box. He's a, actually a quite good attacking player. It's just that sometimes in football you need a player to have a, one characteristic that is really above uh, other players. And for Jahanbash, it's more difficult to find one than, for example, Mohibi is really fast or, uh, or uh, Sardar Moon is very, really very good with his head. But like for Jahanbash, it's a bit difficult sometimes to find that characteristic that is really above uh, the other one. But... You need to have complete players too, and uh, he's actually a complete player. Mm. And, and, a, and a real leader now. And I think, because I, I remember him when he was coming onto the scene as a teenager, and he's really matured into a, a great player, a great personality, and a great leader. If you look at his team talk before the game started, it was an amazing team talk, even though I'm not a player, it was hyping me up. <laughs> it was amazing to see. If you can search it on Twitter, it's a wonderful video. Yeah, um, uh, we saw that uh, a while ago, and wow, it really made me emotional as well. It felt like I was one of the players, and um, you know, it's nice to see him step on a step up and do that. Because uh, usually uh, it's uh, a guy like Karim who would do that, or Esan um, if he's the captain, and they they might not be as influential inf influential as uh, what uh, Ali Reza said today. And uh, Ali Reza, you know, he's um, he's a big game player. I would say, you know. He shows up when you least expect it, when you need him a lot. Uh, you, you know, he showed up for Brighton against Chelsea uh, last year when uh, Feyenoord won the won the league. Uh, he scored against some of their uh, main competitors like uh, Azad Alkmaar and PSV. Uh, so uh, I'm not really shocked that he turned up for his, for this game. Um, but yeah, like you guys said, he's a bit inconsistent, and if he improves on that, I think he, he's still a really good addition to the team. Mm. I want to talk about quickly standout players before we move on to, I guess, like uh, going forward for the Qatar game. So in a, in a game where, again, we weren't favourites at all, ja Japan were the favourites to win the entire tournament, Mehdi Tarami was missing, a lot of people thought it was going to be fairly challenging. And I think I, I said on the previous podcast how Osmond needs to be the... I mean, a lot of the players need to step up, given that Meditarium is not going to be there. But Osman, I think, was the one player I really wanted a big performance from. I guess a performance that I, we know he's capable of because he's shown it in previous years, but we haven't seen him do that since, I guess, that sort of like big injury that he had. And I think this game, he did have that performance, which was absolutely amazing to see. 
Yeah, he was uh, he was amazing in this game. Uh, either is on the in, in the airs or on the ground or with long passes, long balls. He was always really focused, uh, having good touches on the ball and 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 the goal he scored was again so mature and it was really unfortunate that it was ruled that for offside. But apart from that, he had a good header that just went centimeters away from the goal. And yeah, he, he did a very, very good game. Uh, we will need him to continue on this uh, form, on this strike uh, for uh, the next game, of course. But uh, having Asmund playing like that, it's a, it's a really high level football. And um, it's necessary to... We're lucky to have a striker like him in, in our team. Many, mm. many national teams like good strikers. Especially when they play like that. Yeah, I think uh, Mohebi won man of the match, right? But like, who else from your side, Erafan, did you think really stood out this game? Um, I would. I think Mohebi was definitely a really, really good. Uh, he was. Um, he was a really good addition to the team. He obviously got the, the goal. But my man of the match would probably be Said Azadullahi. I would say. Yeah, we haven't shouted yeah, out too much. Yeah, we didn't this talk podcast. much about him today. But you know he. Didn't have any mistakes, I think. It was completely uh, the perfect player yesterday. And uh, he he had just the passes he was making, the way he didn't let Japan uh, get get through uh, the center at all. Um, and, you know, I think controlling that area of the field was very important for us to uh, win the game. And uh, Said just did that amaz amazingly. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I think another one from my side is is Khalid Zadeh that we've already talked about. Um, but yeah, I thought he was he was absolutely amazing this game, especially because he's played, I think all of the minutes. No, I think it was the same with Ezra Tolai. Um, I think Shuja was injured for the second game. Wasn't okay, he? but I mean yeah. he's played he's played a lot he's of minutes. Played, yeah, he's played a lot of minutes. And it, uh, like after the, I think the Syria game towards the end, he was like I think in agony <laughs> um, he, because he just ran so much and defended so much. Um, what what was Japan's pitfall in this game? I I still believe that this Japan team wasn't at their absolute best, which obviously played into our favour massively. Um, this is a fairly young team. I think they they missed a lot of experience in the defence. You know, Maya Yoshida is no longer in the in the Japanese squad. And the goalkeeper maybe maybe new as well from, from their previous World Cup appearance. But this is a team that beat Germany in the World Cup. They beat Spain in the World Cup. Germany again after the World Cup in yeah. September. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is a very good Japan team. But what what went wrong for them in this game? I'll go to you, Daniel. Well, during the first time they had a, a, a the first half they had a good half. They were playing well, a uh, lot of movements, uh, good passing. They're technically really uh, good. Uh, they don't uh, do bad passing or bad controls and etc. And they easily. Uh, uh, use our mistake uh, to, to score a goal so they were about to score a goal uh, at the beginning of the second half too uh, minute 51 uh, with the header but um, yeah apart from that I think they didn't overcome the, the aggressivity Iran was showing all the players were winning the, the, the contest uh, uh, the headers uh, the second balls during second half and uh, they were just like a bit um, I, I, I don't know, but they, they were like uh, they do, didn't know how to overcome this, uh, to step up and uh, reverse it like we did. 
Like Iran really uh, changed the the way the game was uh, <coughs> was going, but uh, Japan couldn't uh, change the change it. And uh, even when you consider goal at minute 57, it's only one one. But they weren't as confident as we were, and uh, it was actually surprising because if they made some changes, Mitoma came on. We know how Mitoma how good Mitoma is. He's a Premier League level players. Actually, he can. Uh, uh, triple uh, two or three players uh, easily, but we di we didn't even see him perform. Like he didn't have the the, the any dangerous situation and etc. So yeah, it was. Uh, I think they just uh, were uh, overbeaten uh, on this game. Mm. And you want to add, Erfan? Yeah, he, you mentioned about uh, Mitoma. You know, he's a very good player. We've seen what he can do for Brighton, uh, also for Japan. You know, he, he came on just for a bit against Bahrain. We, we were at that game and we saw how dangerous he looked. Uh, but yeah, he couldn't do much against us. You know, Jahanbash, I think he tackled tackled him right when he got the ball. That was one of the best moments of the game. Yeah, you know? yeah, that and was. He, everyone got excited. That's you know? that extra ten percent. Yeah, you now, know, Jahanbash, the mentality, the captain. You know, as a captain, when you do that, yeah. um, the fans were excited, the players were excited, and yeah, yeah, that was a very crucial. Perfect tackle. And actually, the Jahanbash did it on on this situation. It was a clear situation because it was a good contra counter attack for Japan. But even during the game. The whole players were helping each other, even on left side. For example, Milad Mohamedi and Mohebi, they were defending with their whole life together uh, against a Japanese player. Actually, Japan was doing the same, but only for a few players. For example, when, when Saman Rodus had the ball, he had two or three play players around. When uh, Jambash had the ball, he had two players around. But they weren't doing it for, f for all situations. But Iran, they just players were so hungry like they, they wouldn't let anything to, to 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 go through and and yeah it was it was mm. very beautiful spirit yeah i completely agree and the game the game ended 2-1 um i think yeah uh, made some some substitutes in the last sort of minutes just to, yeah. to waste time that's like normal manager um i guess activity we every, every sort of manager does that when they're ahead in the last sort of dying minutes uh Cheshmi did come on i don't think he touched the ball but like a few people did come on uh, the final the whistle match. went. <laughs> the final whistle went. Everyone, you know, rounds the pitch. People were exhilarated. You saw our reaction on on Twitter and Instagram. We were we were we were very very emotional. And uh, the players, I guess one by one, I think dedicated the the victory to the to the people of Iran having you know daily struggles, um, which was a which was an amazing thing to see. I absolutely loved that that gesture. I think Ramin Rezaian as well did a fairly long interview. Uh, but individually, Karim Ansari Fair, I think Jambach, um, Eze Tolay possibly, I think even Porali Ganji I think did as well, even though he wasn't he wasn't playing in the game. So I think that shows both their togetherness as well as their dedication to both their team as well as their country, which you know it's it's a wonderful thing to see. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Ramin's interview was amazing. He he was very professional. Um, it was nice for him to, to do that. And uh, like Ghalanoi always said, you know, this team is playing for the people. And uh, I think the players proved that yesterday with the way they, f they fought. And uh, after the game, you know, the interviews they said, uh, the first thing I've noticed that people say is, uh, that, that the players say after every win, is that we dedicate this win to the people. And mm. that's, you know, that's a very beautiful thing for them to say. And after full time, 
one of my friends in Tehran messaged me. They said that everyone is on the streets and everyone is celebrating. And um, it was similar to what happened against Australia um, like 25, 26 years ago. So, yeah, this just shows that, uh, you know, um, I don't want to get too controversial, but uh, this team, the people, I think that the people, whatever they say, at the end, they're playing for the national team, they're playing for the party for our country. And uh, this game just showed it perfectly. Mm. You're in that? Well, I think uh, you, you, said it, it very well. yeah, said it's, you said it very well. They're all dedicated to, to make Iranian people uh, happy. And uh, and they're, again, so focused. Like we, You can see them in mixed zone and, and during training sessions. They, they're just here to do the, here to do the, the job. Mm. And I guess that when you say, when we talk about that sort of extra 10% uh, desire and belief, I think some of that definitely comes from, from you, know, fight, you know, people going through hardship in Iran and fighting for them, uh, as you mentioned. Now, uh, looking forward now, now that, we've, now that we've knocked Japan out of the, the, the Asian Cup, uh, which feels such wow. a weird thing to say, but now, now that Qatar is the, is the next, thing, next team on our, on our schedule, we, uh, we saw them, Qatar beat Uzbekistan on penalties. It was possibly the worst penalty shoot that I've seen for a long time. <laughs> just just quick shout out to, to all your pen, all the penalty takers. Now, what should we expect from this Qatar team? Um, we, we watched them play. As well, like, good to, to, good to not forget, they are the reigning champions of this tournament. They are at home. So there are a few things. They've got some pretty decent players as well that play pretty, like, in this tournament. Now, what should we expect from this team? Uh, now, Qatar are one of only three or four teams that uh, have only domestic players. So they have no playing outside of Qatar. And uh, I think that is to their advantage because all their players are um, very... Um, they know each other very well. They did this group of players exactly, actually. They've been uh, playing together for a long time. That was the whole Aspar Academy project that started a long time ago, you know. al Ali, Akram Afif and all these players. They've been playing uh, together from a very young age. And um, I think uh, that's, that was one of their key things uh, to winning the last Asian Cup. And uh, this is this is their second Asian Cup together now. You know, there's some older players uh, like Hassan al um, He's I think this is his last Asian Cup probably. He's like 32 years old. Uh, but there is quality in that side. Um, I don't know if, I don't, I don't think it's close to Iran at all, the quality they have. Uh, but like you said, they are the reigning champions. They are the hosts. They have that advantage. We might see some controversial decisions going in favor of them. Um, but you know, Iran. I think if we play our game, uh, we, we played against them a few a while back ago actually, and that was the game. Pueli Gaji got injured, I think. Uh, yeah, that was the game he got injured in that friendly tournament friendly. in Jordan. Yeah, we beat them four 0 and um, hopefully we see the same type of performance. I don't know if we will, but yeah. And uh, Daniel, this is an interesting question because Tarami's back, Raidi has been rested, Rolizadeh has been rested. What's what's the team now? Because we 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 played emphatically against Japan. Now I've, I have seen a few posts on Twitter. I'm not going to name and shame people, but some people have said, you know, why change the team? Even though Tarami's back, we played amazingly. Like, should we just carry on like this? Maybe use Tarami as maybe a rotation. Um, <laughs> Now, it's it's not a it's not a, I guess it's not a stupid point given how well we played. Now, what's what, what do we do in this situation? Well, let's not forget that the game against Japan was very well prepared, and Holinoi picked the player that he believed 
were the, the, the best ones against Japan. Against, against uh, Ratar, um, it's another opponent. Other players, they're not, of course, the quality is not at Japan level, but even apart from the quality, it's a different team. So they play differently. And not playing Tarimi would be a, a, a really a, a, a big mistake. He's our best players. As I said before, even he's at 50% of the, his form, he's still Tarimi. So the defenders, the, the team is not defending the same way when they see Tarimi than they see uh, another player. So of course, we, we Tarimi will play. I, I have no doubt about it. It's very good that uh, someone like Roy Edi or Esan Roy Safi uh, or Mehdi Tarimi or Ali Rolizadeh, they're all rested for this game. So they were fresh. Uh, <coughs> that is a very, very uh, good point for us. And um, I, I believe that some of the players are untouchable. For example, someone like Samon Rodus. Uh, he's, uh, uh, we, every game we have a man of the match, but I think uh, Samon Rodus for the team, the current team and current tactics, he's above that. I mean, we, you can't remove Tarimi, even if he's our best player, but you can't remove someone Rodus. He's bringing so much as a team. Either he plays as a 10 or as a central midfielder. Uh, he's just a, a, a really complete player. Uh, his fitness seems really perfect nowadays with Brentford. Uh, he's feeling very well since this summer. He's like, uh, I, I, I don't know what happened, but it's like he, he's, he got some maturity and some positiveness and he's like relieved like he's he's so calm and he knows what he has to do he believes in his qualities and with the ball without the ball he's always doing the right decisions so yeah going to the Japan game with with Tarmi and without Rodus for example would have been much harder for us yeah I just wanted to mention what you said you know just thinking that we won against Japan without Roliza the Qaedi Tarmi um and who else was it? Harshafi. Uh, Harshafi, you know, four of our, uh, probably our best or top players, at least in this tournament. It just shows how well prepared this game was, how well managed we were. Uh, we were, And yeah, again, props to Khalid for that. So let's let's talk about that. So who who starts and who plays against against Qatar? And I guess who what's the rotation? Does it go back to, I guess, like the, the game against Syria, the, the group stage formation and, and lineup? Um, does does Milad Mohamed leave the the starting eleven even though he had a fairly pretty decent game against against Japan? Uh, who's who's playing? Uh, well, Qatar. I've seen them um, as a similar game to the UAE. Uh, I think that uh, Tarimi should definitely start. He, sh he should get back in, and uh, Harsh Sefi as well. Uh, I think as well of a game as Milad Mohamed had. Harsh Sefi is just more made out uh, for a game like Qatar. Um, and then, uh, so yeah, I think Omid Ebrahimi, even though he was fantastic in midfield, I think maybe it's a bit too much for him, you know, give him some rest. Um, maybe bring him on later, but I don't think he should start against Qatar. Uh, I, I think we should return uh, with the Ezzetullahi Qudus kind of pivot in midfield. Yeah, no, I agree. But what about... Uh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. The wingers. Um, I would keep Jahan Bakhsh. I would keep Jahan Bakhshin for, for this game. And I think that Qaidi should start over Mohibi as well. Um, and I would, you know, obviously Taremi uh, as a kind of uh, 10. And uh, who? Asbun up front. Yes. Yeah. Um, let's not forget that Ratar is playing with uh, three defenders. So it's good to have two strikers. And uh, 
And uh, Salman Rodos was a real 10 in this game. He, was, he had really a free role, and etc. When Tarim is playing, he's coming deep, but he's, he's not a 10. He's more like a false line. He's a striker. Uh, his best mm. position is, is uh, being a striker. So hurricane. Yeah, role. and he can play as a false line with Osmond. And sometimes it's Osmond that's coming deeper, but most of the time it's still Tarimi. But he's not a 10. And uh, having them both as, as strikers, uh, um, putting pressure on the, and they're two very good world-class strikers, putting pressure on the three, three centre-backs of uh, Atar would be, would be great uh, to have that physical presence. I think Roydi will be back at, on, uh, as left, left midfielder, even though uh, Mohebi was great. Uh, on the right side, I think Jambash will be kept. Uh, he's one of the leaders of the team. Of course, Rolizade brings something different um, with uh, his weak, weak right foot and left foot. So he's left footed, so he's always cutting inside and he's a technically gifted player. So very interesting, but it, it could be it could be him starting, but I don't think Wallenoy will. And uh, as you said, yeah, so Isafi will be back uh, as a left back for, for sure. Mm. Okay, cool. So I guess uh, maybe we should do predictions now, and uh, it feels it feels a bit strange. But yeah, this is this is a semi-final game. The other the other side of the semi-final is is uh, South Korea and Jordan. Jordan played very well in this game, the game that we saw against Tajikistan. Um, I I know I'm going to be controversial saying this, but I can really see Jordan knocking South Korea out this tournament. In which case, if Iran get through, it'll be a Iran Jordan final. Um, but either either way, I'm. I, I, I believe in this team so much from from how they've developed as as a group, their togetherness, their their shared drive, their shared sort of belief. And and they've proven a lot of skeptics wrong, including that that goes all the way from Bearman, all the way to the, the strikers, all the way to Ghalanoi as well. Um I do want to quickly say though, I feel like Ghalanoi obviously gets a, a ton of credit for this game. But what I will say that again might may be controversial is that he did inherit a fairly good foundational side from, from I think, Carlos Querish that built this side, even though, you know, after the previous World Cup, he did get a lot of backlash. But as Jose Marino this is foot, says, this is like, this is football heritage. And he did inherit a side that had that level of maturity, that, that a lot of them were playing in Europe already. And I think that's why you've seen them progress and beat a team like Japan getting into this, getting into the semi-final of a major tournament. But... The way that we've sort of overcome that mental challenge that we talked about before, I guess think about it. Can we play together now? Yes. Do we have squad depth? These are all questions that people have people have posed. We do have squad depth now than we did before. Can we hold a, a game with ten men? Yes. Can we do a penalty shootout and win the penalty shootout? Yes, emphatically. Are we defensively sound? Possibly. It's 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 definitely our weakness, but it's is is more than it used to be. So all these things have come at an amazing time that I think we can really push and, and actually win this tournament. So I'm, I'm really, really believing in this and I, I see a massive amount of belief um, for this squad. So I guess, uh, yeah, predictions for the game. What do you think about the, the game, Iran-Qatar? Um, what, what's, what's the day of the game actually, Erfan? It's on Wednesday on the 7th, I think. Yeah, so what's your prediction for the game? Uh, well, last time last I was time you were wrong. <laughs> we do have to shout because this went under the carpet. Erfan predicted that we'd lose this game. I think two one, right? One, yeah. yeah. So to carry on with your prediction, then <laughs> yeah. we'll just disregard it. <laughs> you know, uh, well, I don't know what to predict now because I'm scared it might turn out wrong. But 
Uh, I'll be positive this time. Um, I think you know we'll get an early goal, and then you know we might get a second later on. I I just I'd say a two two nil win for Iran. Hopefully two nil. Okay. I see a three one. Um, I'm afraid of Qatar in the you know in in a, I'm a bit afraid of Qatar in a way that they're playing at home. Uh, they will have a, lo- a, lo- a lot of fans. Uh, we d- we didn't ha- we have fans uh, fans uh, during the the Japan versus Iran game, but not as much as for example Korean fans uh, came for uh, Korea versus Australia. Mm. But uh, Qatar, there will be many people in the stadium, and the stadium will be. Uh, it's a big one. It's Al Al Tomama. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so forty four, forty five thousand uh, seats, and uh, yeah, they will be. They will have the, the most of the fans behind them. They're playing at home, and Qatar wants to erase what happened during the World Cup. They had the worst uh, World Cup a uh, uh, host team can have, and um, they played really, really badly. And I think they want to erase history on that and just write a new page and show everyone that they're a good team. And actually, it was quite uh, uh, surprising from a team that won the Asian Cup playing that bad uh, during the World Cup. So they, they, they want to prove that they're a good team. And uh, they have a re- revenge against us. Uh, we won 4-0 when they were trained by the uh, uh, Carlos Carroche. So, yeah, but I still believe that we're a better side. And if we manage to, to still be uh, 100% focused, I see a 3-1 for Iran. Mm, 3-1. Yeah. Mm, good prediction. Uh, I, I think as well, like Altamama, fun fact, that was where Iran lost against USA, right? Same tournament? Uh, same I mean, you were you were. I think here. it was. I think so, it was that yeah, stadium. It's the one the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but was. we played. We played there before this tournament as well, no? Yeah, we went there for Japan versus Bahrain. No, no, we didn't. Oh, play oh okay. So Iran, Iran's not played there yet. Yeah, so I guess no, that's another. That's another thing that we need to, <laughs> maybe a mental thing for the players. I, I doubt it, but it's one of those small details. Um, but from my from my prediction, I do see Qatar scoring in this game. So I actually think it will be three one. I think Iran will score first. Qatar will level, and then second half it will go two, and then three. Um, yeah, so they have inter- interesting attacking players, really fast on the I ball. Uh, is very dangerous. Yeah, yeah, they have dangerous players and some experienced one, Almoez Ali, for example. Hey, Deus, uh, that's hey Deus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they they have good players. So, and we are in a much more attacking uh, uh, philosophy. So our defense is a bit more exposed. So I I, I wouldn't be surprised if we concede. Uh, a goal, but I think we'll score more goals than them. Yeah, the beauty of this team as well is that before, if we did concede a goal, it was like, oh, it's game over now, it's finished. Whereas with this team, even if we go two goals, I'm not saying go two goals down, but like if we do go two, two goals down in the first half, I still believe that this team can turn it turn it around, which I didn't have that belief before. So, yeah, that's that's the thing. I do I do feel like Qatar will score in this, uh, in, in this game. Okay, cool. I think that's everything. Um, anything else you guys want to mention before I wrap up? Uh, no, just we've had a really fun time here in Qatar so far. It's been amazing, you know. Mm. Um, the facilities, the shuttles, everything provided to us by the AFC have been very good. So yeah. I just want to mention that. And hopefully, hopefully and we ended off with mm. a blast. And let's mention too that I had to extend my, my flight. Yeah, I was going to mention that. So, so, yeah, Daniel had to extend his, his flight because he was meant to leave today, right? This, this, morning, this morning. This morning. Because he didn't believe like me and Arafat did. <laughs> So, so yeah, he was meant to leave, he extended his flight, extended his hotel, so we're still here and uh, yeah, you'll still see our reactions and we'll have a podcast after the, the, the Qatar game as well. We'll have a space after the game that uh, probably Ariel or someone in the team will do 
Want to quickly thank you guys, uh, you know, watching Golbazan and, and supporting us because the comments on the last video were, were absolutely amazing. So thank you so much for that. And it gives us a lot of sort of motivation as a team to carry on creating this sort of content for you guys. So thank you so much. And also some of you left donations, which is incredibly kind of you. So yeah, I, I, I can't really thank you guys enough. But uh, yeah, that's it for this podcast. We'll see you guys in the next one, which will be after the Qatar game. And hopefully we're previewing the Jordan or South Korea game in the final. So thank you so much. We've also done a few player interviews, so definitely check them out. And we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Hello everyone, my name is Saida Zatoley and you're listening to the Golbezan Podcast.